And a good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome on in to the Amron Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, and we are powered each and every week by our friends at Amron and Gray Bar, and we are driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Klaibs, you uh, were back uh, behind the microphone yesterday after taking the last road trip off down to see the uh, the Cardinals lose the first to the Padres last night. Uh, it's it's going to be a rough last five weeks of the season, probably. Oh, there's no doubt it's going to be rough uh, for a lot of different reasons. You know, you have injuries, you have guys you're trying to get a look at. Uh, it's truly a period of evaluation. Uh, but with that said, you have players who want to play. Uh, there were two important players that have let Oliver Marble know, hey, look, we don't want any more days off. Let's just play. And so... Uh, you still have a commitment. You still have the responsibility of turning in a professional effort, especially against teams that are in postseason contention, whether it's in this next road trip. So you're going to see three teams on the next road trip that are all in postseason contention in, in Atlanta, in Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, you're going to have some other teams. Philadelphia is going to come through St. Louis. You're going to face them. You're going to face Milwaukee at the end of the year. Uh, that's an important series. So, uh, I think you're going to see all hands on deck with regard to that because let's face it, Joe, we've seen everything there is to see in the minor leagues. Yeah. I mean, there isn't anybody there that's going to help you this year. There may be somebody who needs more work that can help you maybe sometime next year. But as far as waiting on somebody to come up and make their major league debut because they're that good, that, that ship has already sailed. Yeah, the uh, the one that I'm I'm going to be watching every fifth day now uh, is Drew Rom. We've seen two starts out of him. I I liked what I saw out of him in that first start, and I thought the defense let him down. I mean, he should have been yeah. out of that first inning and saved himself about 15, 20 pitches and didn't happen. Defense couldn't get the third out for him. And then you saw against the Phillies, yeah, he took the loss, but he still pitched really well in his second career start in the big league level. Yeah, he gave him he gave him a legitimate chance, but you know, here, here's the one thing in, in both his outings. The first one I get, you know, it's it's new. He's got family. It's a distraction. Second one, he pitched out of trouble when he was in it. Uh, you know, after the first pitch of the game, he's already down, but he gave his team a chance to climb back in it. Uh, he's a guy that obviously you want to take a longer look at, and we're going to see that for the rest of the year. But my issue with him will be. A, can he give you more than five innings with less than 100 pitches? B, can he pitch out of trouble when he's in a jam? And C, does he know how to mix up his pitches? Now, some of that comes with having the right catcher that, that's on in a field on what this guy has and what he doesn't have and going through your scouting report and knowing what guys have tendencies of doing. But when it's all said and done, we have to have guys that have to be able to pitch beyond the fifth inning and, and feel good about it. And really, in my opinion, I think because you don't have a bullpen to speak of, you better have some guys who know how to pitch beyond the sixth or seventh inning because that's going to be one of the issues that you're going to have to address. And, and let's be clear on a couple of things. When you go into free agency, and you will, you better have a sales pitch because you better tell that pitcher, this is what our bullpen is going to look like. This is what our defense is going to look like. This is who you're going to be throwing to. Those are three things you better be able to tell whoever you're recruiting what those th three things are going to be to give him comfort in thinking this is the right place for him. But don't worry about the money. These guys want to know do they have a chance. 
And because the guy who just wants to worry about getting paid, you don't want him because he'll pull the shoot on you in a minute. And then all of a sudden you're stuck. I'm glad you brought that up with the, uh, with the impending free agency, because the last two games, you saw the two guys that are supposed to be one a and one B on that Cardinals list. You would think they're one a and one B on the Cardinals list. They should be one a and one B on everybody's list that needs pitching and Aaron Nola and Blake Snell back to back nights. Aaron Nola go out there. He'll give you six or seven innings. Snell will go out there. He'll give you five or six from what you've seen out of those two, the last two nights, What's your assessment of the uh, the top two prospects out there in free agency? Well, a good question that I think the, the bigger question is, what is your philosophy? You pitch to contact, you swing and miss, or you have the belief we don't want our guy seeing the third, seeing the batting order for a third time. Uh, I think that you have to ask that question before you pick on which one of these guys you want. Nola, workhorse in this day and age, uh, when you think about the 200 innings plus, gives up a lot of home runs, uh, but that ballpark does produce a lot of home runs. Snell is a guy who's always been trained to go no more than six. I mean, when you think about him in Tampa, go back to the World Series where they pulled him and the guy was dealing. Uh, San Diego's a little bit different where he's gone a little bit longer, not much. So when you have that scenario, you have to say, all right, you know, again, I go back to this, your bullpen. You have to have eight guys in that bullpen to say, all right, Snell, you can only go six. We got it. Nola, you can go seven. We have it. Don't worry about it. But when you only have two guys, and right now, the only legitimate guy who's proven himself to be consistent is JoJo Romero. Hmm. This is a guy um, two months ago, you were like, uh-oh, here we go. So whatever he's done to turn his career around, uh, you have to bottle that and hope that some other people would be more consistent. So I'm of the belief that the bullpen is a complete teardown and you have to start over again. And how you do that in one off season? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, the uh, yes, Padres and Cardinals uh, game two of the series tonight. What'd you think of uh, Fernando Tatis's cleats last night? I, you know what? <sighs> How does a person have that sort of time to do something like that? Just I mean, so he hopefully he's not, gets. He's not sitting in the locker room putting the putting the clippings on there. I mean, he just tasked somebody else to do it. But you know, isn't there more thing? Isn't, aren't there more productive things in your life than that? Because you know, personally, I could give less than a tinker's damn about it. It, it. It's so irrelevant to me that a guy would go out of his way to do that to get a three second TV shot, knowing that somebody's going to photograph. Who cares? It's it's. It's it's what's wrong with the game. We get so enamored with the most irrelevant things that take place. It really is. I would have thought that you would have enjoyed him knowing that you also covered his dad. I thought that you would have. It means nothing to me. Also being a guy of fashion the way that you are too. I thought but he's not. That... <laughs> have you seen some of the things he wears? He's not of a guy of fashion. I have not. No, outside of outside of a baseball game, I have not. No. Um, as we talk on fashion, trying to think who the best dressed athletes are. Certainly not baseball. Football is a caricature. Uh, hockey probably is the best dress. Uh, well, hockey is like this. Either you're very well dressed or you have no idea what you put on. Um, the NBA, there are certain guys, there used to be a time the NBA would rock. Okay. You took pride in walking into the arena dressed a certain way. 
Now you have guys that come in looking like, okay, once I leave here, I'm going to work the circus for a while. But uh, Tatis would be a fashion disappointment with regard to the shoes. So who's sorry best, to break your who's heart. Who's the best dressed on the Cardinal roster right now? Miles Michaelis by a. I was, I was, I was going to, that would have been my guess. That would have been who I would have It's Miles Michaelis and everybody else is playing for the bronze medal. It's, it's, it's nothing close. Nothing even when close. he goes bolo tie, even when he. But but you know what? It's a theme behind it. He's wearing a bolo tie to Texas. He's not wearing it to Pittsburgh. Okay. okay? Miles Michaelis, uh, best dressed guy. I can't even tell you who was even close. Uh, Jack Flaherty tried, but then he'd hit a wall. Paul DeYoung tried. Uh, they they made attempts. Uh, Tommy Pham was was re- Tommy Pham wore shirt and tie on playing every, everywhere they went. He dressed like an old school pro. Uh, Ali Marmel dresses well uh, as a manager. I've seen some other managers, and you're like, oh, how many more times do you think you can get away with that, man? <laughs> By the way, speaking of Paul DeYoung, uh, Blue Jays DFA'd him, and he went yeah. uh, he went to uh, to the Giants. So, I mean, I guess regardless of what happens, Cardinals win that trade because he was only there in, in Toronto for about a week and a half. I mean, who do we get out of? I don't know, but okay. it's gotta be, I mean, you, you gotta well, say you want it no matter what, yet. right? Well, I mean, wait a minute. That guy's not in the big leagues yet. You got something back for it though. That, but we don't know what any, it is. They didn't get anything out of uh, Dion. They got one we, hit we out of Dion. Any, so we, we may not get anything out of this guy. So let's, let's hold off on, on grading trades at this point, because again, um, I look at some of these trades, and here's the one that really kind of rubs me. Uh, the Sean Murphy deal. Oakland got table scraps for him. Mm-hmm. We we had table scraps to give him. But we did, but did, I mean, depending on the reports that you read of what Oakland wanted. Yeah, but I don't believe that. Okay. I, and here's why. Because you could have easily said, this is a list of untouchables. You can have anybody else. And I guarantee you, some of the guys the Cardinals would have made available in that deal are better than the players that the Oakland A's have. So don't tell me that the only way we could have got that player was because they they only wanted Win and Walker. Yeah. Well, they didn't get a Win and Walker comps with with the teams they dealt business, dealt with. So what makes you think we had to do it? But what if if it was Newt Bar and Donovan? I think probably you would have been able to part with one of those two. Okay. You know, I mean, again, the Cardinals have a lot of spare parts laying around. Okay, a lot of spare parts that would been would would have been sufficed at that, that of that deal. At this point, right now, I mean, I, I know when we look at the when we look at the deal and you compare the numbers that that Sean Murphy has put up this year, which which are really good, and for April, I think he was the top player in all of baseball and offensively in April, but you look at where their numbers are now. Wilson Contreras has, it has not disappointed offensively and has really kind of come on these past few months and shown why the Cardinals went out and spent on him. It wasn't to be, you know, the defensive replacement that we lost with Yachty. It's, it's to be another bat in the middle of the order. And I think that he has proven that, that he could hit with, with the best of them with his numbers. He's a good hitter for a catcher. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't argue with you on that. But I think as we've learned how our pitching suffered dramatically, uh, I think what I would I, – and I've said this to you and I've said it before. Had 
Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera given us what this year have they given us this what they what we've seen this year last mm-hmm. year? Wilson Contreras wouldn't be here because you know what you would have done? You would have looked in another area to find another bat. Okay, because your catching would have been solid. Remember yeah. this: if you have to worry about your catcher or your shortstop hitting a lot, you have bigger issues than your lineup. Since July 1st, Wilson Contreras is hitting 336 with an OPS of 986. So, uh, since July 1st has uh, has been the uh, the top hitter in the, been uh, solid. In the Cardinal lineup. Been yeah, very solid. I, again, yep. I'm not taking away his offense. No, I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm looking at just a little bit more of a complete catcher. Now, some would say he's improved that. And you know what? For the most part, he probably has, which takes me to this. You're, you, you know, you're, you're stuck with him, and I think you have to give him another year. I mean, you can look at how many free agents that signed that first year, and it has not worked out. It has not worked out. And I think he can be in that category. So I'm of the belief that he comes back. He's going to be better prepared. He's going to be better understanding. Uh, I think I think he'll be okay. Okay, he 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 won't be Yachty, but he's better than what Yachty was at the end of his career. This is the Ameren Illinois Lunch Show with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren and Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. It was about uh, ten days ago. I was out on the uh, on the front lines there with the uh, with the folks at Ameren. Uh, getting up there with the linesmen and, uh, you know, climbing up real high on those poles. That's high Played, enough, right? So, there. yeah, yeah, getting that, up there. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to like, go any higher. Like the press box at the uh, at the Nationals ballpark. That uh, was, was that high up uh, going up there and, and just seeing what it was like. And the life of a linesman videos coming your way. Uh, big files. Hey, we got like, uh, you got to get those up uh, working on that for clavesonline.com, but you will see that here soon um, to, to just what we did that day with the folks out at Ameren, Illinois, and appreciate all of the work that they do, uh, whether last week working out there in the heat or the storms that we had the month before. I The day I was out there working, wearing what I was wearing, which is what they, they put on. I mean, it was 80 degrees, not a cloud in the sky could not imagine the work uh, and how miserable it was for them last week when temperatures were uh, where it felt like 110 degrees all throughout the St. Louis area. Oh, we will take, know, we, yeah. we tip our caps to, to those people, men and women who put that, put themselves in that position because, you know, like you and I, Joe, we couldn't do it. Nope. And I always respect people who can do things I can't do, and which means most of the world can find something better than what I can do. But point being, uh, they are truly trained professionals in, in what they do. And you learn firsthand how challenging it can be. And you don't learn this trade overnight. And uh, the commitment that they've made is something that we should all appreciate. We will take a quick break, come back with more baseball talk right here on Lunch with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Amron Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on ClaibsOnline.com. Smith, Corks one into right, down the line. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Braves hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Andrew Lourdes into left field. Hit number 3,000. For the first time since 1982, St. Louis has a World Series winner. On Sunday, September 3rd, take home an exclusive Cardinals Moment Flag presented by Air National Guard. Visit cardinals.com slash promotions. Back here, it is the Amarillo and Lunch Show with Claves and Joe. Uh, 
powered by Amron, Illinois, and Gray Bar, and driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura. Klabe's a lot of baseball talk to come this week on Klabe's Online, Daily Cards Live each and every day. And of course, uh, Good Nightingale with Bob Nightingale, brought to you by our friends over in Alton, Illinois, at Fast Eddie's Bonaire. Fast Eddie's Bonaire, coldest beer. Peel and eat shrimp, fat Eddie burger, great entertainment. Only have to be 21 and over to go. But, you know, if you're looking for something good and something fun, uh, it's a great gathering place is what I would say. And you can make it a date night, a casual date night. But one thing is for sure, you're going to have a good time. That's why they maintain the tradition for so many years, people going over there. And, you know, uh, when Eddie and I go out, and we were out last week and I introduced him and said, wait a minute, Fast Eddie? I mean, it's 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 kind of like one of the local institutions. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I would so- certainly recommend you check it out as soon as possible. Again, you only have to be over 21, the coldest beer, peeling these shrimp. And I mean, the prices, when you think about the price of beef and shrimp these days, uh, you're still going to get a very fair bargain. A lot of selection. Great service. Uh, it's truly a family business that you should be part of. And uh, check it out. Make sure you tell them we sent you. And who knows what happens after that. You won't be thrown out if you tell them we know, you know us. But you'll have a good time. Claves, one of the things you guys will uh, surely talk about over the next uh, few weeks on Good Nightingale, you'll be handicapping some of these award races, the MVP races, all throughout baseball. And right now in the uh, in the National League, it is uh, it's a two horse race. With Do you really think so? The way Freddie Freeman's been hitting, I mean, he has put himself in the conversation, has oh, he not? You, you obviously haven't been watching Mookie Betts lately. Okay, you, do you think they're going to steal each other's? I mean, you you think well, he is going to? Here's the other thing: Has Mookie well, Betts put himself in the in the ca- conversation well, no with doubt. Freddie Freeman and at Ronald Acuna? There's Jr. no doubt. Okay, and, and I'll tell you another one: the the the, the Braves' first baseman, Matt Olson. Matt Olson's had 40 home runs. He's driven over, in over 100 runs. He's on the best team in baseball. You got. Yeah, he's been. A, he's really. quieted down a little bit. I think the last uh, yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a two horse race. I, I think what Mookie Betts is putting on right now is something we're all starting to pay attention to. Uh, and it doesn't make a difference whether it's at home or on the road. Uh, Acuna has been very consistent. There's no doubt about it. Freddie Freeman is Freddie Freeman. Uh, but I think those three are certainly in the mix. And I think Olsen is right there with him uh, because, you know, it's what you've done the entire season. I think sometimes we make a mistake and saying, well, you know, he had a good September. No, wait a minute. What about the other months? And, and while Mookie got out to a slow start, he has gradually improved. What is he? 35 home runs for guys play multiple positions this season. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman is a picture of consistency and Acuna is doing things we just don't see on a regular basis. Now, I'll tell you this. I admire him a lot because those two fans, if they'd have rolled up yep. on me last night, one of them would have been in intensive care and one of them probably wouldn't have made it. OK, I, it, it is. I, I, I mean, I, I'm appalled by what I saw last night. And on top of that, what happened in uh, the south side of Chicago this weekend, too? Yeah. Yeah. I, I and mean, you know what? Here, here's what they have to do. If you're going to work, you know, you can no longer have guys who worked as ushers around the field, give them that position if they have just been there for a long time. They had, I don't, I'm not telling them they need to have martial arts class and training, but they need to be able to be able to get on the field and apprehend whatever fool that rolls out there and get him down until the police arrive. 
I don't need I don't need a sixty year old man yeah. trying I was to chase say, I don't know if people are applying for the job that are capable. Well, you know what? That. If you're a young guy, you want to be an usher. Come on down. We got yeah. a spot for you. But I don't see, I don't want to see a sixty or sixty five year old man trying to chase a guy, and then all of a sudden he has a header. Uh, but what happened last night was a gross breach of security. Somebody's head should roll on it. A, a fan should never, ever get that close two, to a player to baseball. Two fans yeah, two getting of them. up there. And uh, it's, it's speaking of the South Side of Chicago, I mean, you're you're very lucky that I, I haven't seen any reports on those two fans if there was something mentally wrong with them. Um, but it's you're you're very lucky. All they did was go up and they wanted to, hug Ronald Acuna, not what happened to the uh, Royals first base coach about 15 years ago in yeah. the, uh, on the South side of Chicago, where you had two fans go and jump him in, uh, in that situation. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's sad, you know, and we see it you know, and every sports got a problem. You know, you watch a football game, especially exhibition football game, they're brawling in the stands. You got hockey, hockey fans that, they, they, you know, from one team to another, which is why some cities, don't want visiting teams show visiting teams fans coming. Um, NBA, you have your moments, but you don't see it as much. But it does happen. I'm sh- I, I'm shocked uh, that with with the player and fans, the yeah. fans and fans, and then you look at soccer in Europe, which is just you know, I mean the the term hooligan, you know, definitely originates from that part of the world in how they conduct themselves on the field and in the stands. Uh, I know some say, well, you know, the pandemic, we forgot how we should conduct it. Yeah. yeah, that's true to a point. But then you just have some people that are just fools that just have no idea on, on how to conduct themselves and how you deal with it. I'm not sure. I know some would say cut off the alcohol sales. That's that's not going to happen. So you, you've got to come up with a better way and be more vigilant and having your security and maybe you add more people on. And you know what? There's no tolerance. You You cut up, you're out. There's no, there's no way you come back. You get, you get arrested. Uh, and, and the problem is, you know, in some ballparks, you know, if you get tossed, you get tossed for the night, $250 fine. And then there are other places, I think it starts at five grand. I think there should be a uniform fine across sports on this is what's going to cost you if you want to cut up. And I think you start at five grand and I can guarantee you, You'll think twice about that next beer when you throw it back and think you're gonna you're gonna live a bet. Yeah, that's I was gonna going back to the NBA stuff. And you mentioned it too. Maybe maybe it was 2020 that made us forget how to act. But there are so many fans out there that feel like they're entitled just because they have a ticket to do what they want. With how close fans are to some NBA players, I'm well, I'm really surprised we haven't seen something really bad happen. Well, we yeah. we've come close. We've come close. We had a situation with Tommy Pham uh, two weeks ago, right? Where he got into it with a fan uh, one night, and then another night, another guy shows up in the same seats, and then it gets beyond personal. It be, it really gets beyond personal, and then the next day, they go after his nephew. Yep, on the internet, where MLB, you know, kind of flagged it. So I think they have an idea who these people are, but something's got to be done about it. you. You know, you want to talk about how bad of a player I am or whatever. My team sucks. That's cool. I get that. But when you start making it personal, you start making it racial, you start talking about family members, all bets are off. Yeah. And, you know, and 
as Tommy Pham said, the only thing that separates you and the hospital is this net. You know, Tommy Pham's not a guy you want to mess with. Well, he's got a track record to prove that he, yeah. he doesn't, it doesn't work well when you tangle with him. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's it's well known some of the things that he's been involved in in his. Well, uh, the his whole life. strip club thing. Actually, he's a man that's been stabbed twice. I mean, well, he'll tell you it's been three times. <laughs> and I'll let it go at that. You can do the math on who the other guy got it. But the thing is, here's the thing: the the deal where at the strip club, he was outside the strip club. And these guys were scuffling over his Bentley. And he was like, oh, 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 you can take that fight somewhere else. You know, that's my car. It was a Bentley. All right. And so one thing leads to another. And apparently they didn't know he was into martial arts. And a couple of guys go down. And here comes another guy that goes. And so before a guy stabs him in the back, there's already three other guys that's on the ground. So you tell me, how do you respond if somebody, if you have a very expensive car, you ask him politely, whoa, whoa, you know, not here. And then one thing leads to another. I'm probably thinking along the line of Tommy Fam. Somebody's yeah. got to go down in order for me to get their attention. Let's, uh, let's, I don't know how to transition from that to another. How about this transition to uh, auto racing? Oh, I was going to, I was going to, I wanted to ask you about the Otani injury and, uh, yeah, okay, with, we can do that. that yeah. yeah, I was going to go into Otani. So with, the Otani with... industry is a game changer because now, this is a guy that may have to have another Tommy John surgery, too. Yeah. This is a guy who, because of his velocity, is a classic example that just because you had it once doesn't mean you can't have it again. This is a guy who now, who some thought we could make as much as $500 million. I don't know what team in their right mind would pay him that kind of money with him being on the precipice of perhaps having another Tommy John surgery and missing another season. Well, he's had quite a few a pitcher, injuries, though, but he's still yeah. going to be able to hit. Well, to a point, because you remember Bryce Harper, it took him a while before he got back in the lineup, and he has to play first base. And Bryce Harper wasn't able, but Bryce Harper played all the way through October. Shohei's going to be able, I mean, at some point in September, you would think maybe he just steps away and goes and gets this. Yeah, I would think so. It speeds up I, the process yeah. by about six weeks. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's probably a plus for him. Um, I just think that, you know, the angels tried to go all in. It just didn't work. And, you know, that happens from time to time, but you know, when it's all said and done, it, it changes the dynamic of the off season with regard to free agency. And you know, this is not a deep free agent class. Okay. And I think that if you're an owner, you're going to say to yourself, I saw how teams spent a billion dollars in contracts last year and the high end guys did not live up to the expectation. So why should I do that when I watch Tampa? I watch a lot of other younger teams compete to get into postseason, and we don't spend, they don't spend a fraction of what we do. Why don't we take that money and reinvest it in our development within our organization? Now, the other side of that coin says this. The reason why Tampa and Baltimore and some other fledgling teams are good is because they were terrible for so many years, and they finally got around to drafting some quality players which in most cases were can't-miss players, okay? You'd have to be an imbecile to pass up on a, on a Jackson Holiday and the kid, the, the catcher from Baltimore, right? You know, so these guys were highly regarded by everybody. They didn't need you to validate how good they were. So when you have that situation at hand, you say to yourself, okay, well, you know, uh, you know we can go that route. But no team wants to get out of line and start over again. I had this conversation with somebody last night about the Cardinals. 
you know, the Cardinals have a chance to pick like anywhere from third to fourth in the league in the, in the draft next year. Now we haven't ever had, we've never done that before in recent memory. So now it comes down to saying, all right, what are we looking for? Are we looking for a guy who's going to be can't miss. They can help us sooner. Or are we going to stockpile guys and bring them along slowly? I don't know what the mindset's going to be there, but they have time to figure it out. Given what you know of the organization and just who's on the field and who's in double A, triple A, what do you think that mindset should be? Listen, this is the Cardinals, man. This this season is not something we're used to, nor do we want to repeat. Uh, I think you're closer to being competitive than some think, but it just comes down to one thing, pitching. Yeah. You got to find pitching. And how you get it, I don't know. I mean, you got some fledgling players that are coming up through the organization that can play the outfield. Uh, you know, I think Jordan Walker could end up being a first baseman before it's over with. Uh, your shortstop situation is solid. You've got enough guys that can play second base, and Arnold is going to be with you for at least another three years. Uh, you're catching. You think you have solid. So what are you going to do? Pitching, 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 and oh, by the way, more pitching. Yeah. That outfield, yeah, the outfield set. Every, I mean, everything seems offensively like it's it's there for you. So it's just the arms, and yeah. the more you have, I mean, how many off seasons have we gone into it saying, ah, they have six or seven starting pitchers. Well, and we know that's not enough. Now we're down to about two. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's take another break. We'll talk about auto racing as you wanted to uh, just a bit ago. But first, a minute from our friends at the Painting and Decorating Foundation. So what made you get involved in this program? I mean, you had multiple options, I'm sure, but what made you think that this is something you wanted to do? Well, um, I wasn't quite sure what kind of career path I wanted to take at the time. And I heard about the Painters Union and all the great things about it. Um, basically, they put you through this apprenticeship. It's a four-year apprenticeship. And um, they teach you everything you need to know about the trade. So it was pretty hard for me to pass up once I heard that. Well, um, I think mostly it was just knowing that you know, the, they're, they're here to protect you, the union is, and uh, knowing that I was going to be able to take my time to learn, I was, it wasn't going to be one of those things where they're forced to day one jump right into it. And I think once I figured that out, I mean, I love the opportunity to grow, and I think that that's the best thing for a job. Back here, it is the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and Gray Bar, and driven by our friends, over at Munganass St. Louis Acura. Klaibs and I, we were out at Munganass St. Louis Acura just one week ago and talked to Clayton over there, the uh, the GM, and all about all of the new cars that they have out there on the lot and all of the new cars that are being sold. When they're being sold, more new cars, used cars, pre-owned cars are being brought in and put on the lot. Over 300 to choose from out there at 13720 Manchester. Klaibs uh, over there at Munganass St. Louis Acura. I don't know how many other dealerships have over 300 cars to choose from. <clears throat> I'm sure there are, but we know about Munganass probably better than we know about a lot of other people. We know about the service. We know about the sales staff. We know about how skilled they are in making sure they find a deal for you. Multiple forms of financing, whether it's a lease or an outright purchase. But I just think the way that they've conducted business for the last 25 years just tells you, you know, this is what they're all about. You know, there are a lot of dealerships that come and go. I mean, you know, they, they take the name off of one and put it on another. But bottom line is this, Munganass 
has a reputation that far exceeds a lot of dealerships in St. Louis. And as we mentioned with the selection, there's going to be something for you or for your kids or whomever in your family maybe need a third car. Well, why not give them a, give them an opportunity? You can go online and check them out as well. But I always like to go in and truly kick the tires on what's going to work for me in my future. So if you're looking around, you're not sure, this is a place you start. It'd probably be the place you end up at, Munganass, on both sides of the river, Alton, Illinois, and in Manchester, Missouri. Claves, you said you wanted to talk auto racing. Uh, what, do, what do you want to talk about? Bomberito? I went time? to the Bomberito. Yeah? How was yeah, it? I had a ball. Um, I was in the pit crew. Uh, you know, and that's the one thing about the, the, the race. You can actually walk into the pit area and watch them work on cars. Now, granted, me, I'm not a guy that really wants to change oil in my own car, if you can do that anymore. But the bottom line is the the technology that's put into play and all the people that come together to put a car on the, on the track, it's fascinating. I, I took some video of a car that came in, Alex Rossi, who's having a he's having OKC, okay he finished fourth this weekend. He's done some Grand Prix as well. Anyway, uh, it was a little less than seven seconds. Tires, gas, boom, you're back out. And these guys practice this. And I also, I knew this in the past. You know, a lot of guys who work in pit crews used to be former football players, college football players. Really? Uh, they one, one, their, their fueler is uh, played at the University of Michigan. He's a, he was a lineman at the University of Michigan. I mean, there's no fat boys in the pit crew. Well, maybe one or two. But, I mean, these guys really trained to be ready for that Sunday. And there's a lot of other things that go into it but well beforehand. Um but I think the technology and how they measure this thing down to the last drop of gas, the tires and everything that goes into it, it is one of the most fascinating things, along with how cameras are set up where you can follow the race. Uh, it's something that if you haven't been to one in, in, in person, go to one. And what we have over in Illinois at the Bomberito 500 and everything else that Curtis Francois has brought to St. Louis on the NASCAR circuit, it is one of the true premier events we have in St. Louis. And, I was fortunate to go because the Cardinals are on the road. Uh, it's my hope that I can go again because uh, it's one of my favorite events. And I'm an open wheel guy. I, mean, I, I don't make any claim, make make any bones about it. I like open wheel uh, and I like Formula One. NASCAR is fine. I got no problem with that. But, man, the skill for all of those drivers is something unlike anything you can imagine. Klebs, uh, I don't know if you got the you had a chance to see any of the uh, Brickyard this uh, this past weekend. Um, Ryan Priest, uh, not the Brickyard. What was it this uh, this past weekend down in Daytona? The uh, the race down there. Did you see the crash Saturday yes, night down I did. there? Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, man. The the danger. I give you it's like like the first lap of the Bomberito, there was a wreck. And uh, the guy got out. He was okay, but you know, you you your day is shot. But in this situation, you know, these cars are built to protect the driver. You know, I mean, they're you know, we've learned a lot over the years. We don't have many fatalities on the track like we used to, but it's still dangerous. I mean, if you hit a wall going 180 miles an hour into a wall, you know, a lot of bad things can happen. But uh, that that young man was very fortunate. And uh, I'm sure once he gets checked out, he'll be looking for a ride next week. Yeah, it barrel rolled. If you haven't seen it yet, if you go and you watch the uh, the video from the uh, the NASCAR race of the Daytona International Speedway this past weekend, barrel rolled over and over about a dozen times. I hope he found his wallet in his cell phone. You think he was? 
I mean, the you know what? The the top of the car flew off, so that thing yeah. might be around the third turn somewhere. Oh, man. It was, it was scary. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that's some, if you've seen the movie Anchorman, or not Anchorman, Talladega Nights, and they do the scene there where it flips over and it's just, it goes on forever, and it's a joke of how much it goes on forever. I mean, that was in real time. It was like, scary. The, the, yeah, way, right. the way it happened. He has been discharged from the hospital, though, and has said that he's going to race again, that he's planning on coming back sooner than later uh with that so uh, i mean more power to him to if he's going to get behind the wheel of a car and and not have any fear after what he experienced that's what they do that Can is we talk some uh college football for i some? have it on my list you All how right. much of how much a week zero did you watch uh i watched notre dame play navy for a little while that was in ireland yeah um first of all i know it was about the money but navy has no business on the field with notre dame period and as much as they tried to pump that thing up, I, I was like, "Come on, man, who are you kidding here?" But here's a here's an even bigger question. It was, I, you I, know what? It it was a road for all of the Irish faithful. It was a vacation for them to go over to Ireland and go and watch their team play for NBC. They had very little competition that night when it came to football or that morning, I guess, for football. No, that afternoon. Yeah, so they were able to put it on against no other games because it was week zero. So people watched because they were hungry for football. They did it the right way where people were going to go travel and people were going to watch it because it was on TV. Okay. I just wouldn't be one of them. I, that's, I, I mean, I, I saw the highlights of it. I was like, okay, they're playing over there. I knew they had planned that game for a while. And Yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah. no different than when the Cardinals played the Cubs, okay? I mean, it's, it's an experience. Hooray for us. Let's go home. Yeah. So you get the the video shot, you get the the quick uh, time lapse shot of how the field comes together for that. And yeah. So here's my question for you. How can you, with everything that's gone on in college football, coaches moving around more than ever, you have the transfer portal, the NIL that leads to the transfer portal in some cases. How can you possibly rank a team at this time of the year? Can you explain that to me? Why we have all these rankings? You're throwing numbers out there, so that way, week one of the season, the coming up this weekend, you have all the little numbers there, so you know. But why? I mean, it's 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 BS. It it has no impact. We know we know we have a half a dozen teams that are going to be good because of their reputation. You know, Alabama's going to be good. You know, Michigan and Ohio State are going to be good. You know, Georgia's going to be good. And there's another team. USC will be good. And then after that, you know, why do we why do we rank number nine Penn State? We don't know if they're any good or not. We don't know if they're if they're if they can compete. So why why give us this yarn of BS? Are they number nine in the country? No, they're not. Nobody. We don't know who they are. Well, answer me this then: How how does Vegas come up with uh with their numbers for this weekend? I, I have no idea, and and they're they're misleading people as they well. Have, yeah, they haven't even had preseason to watch. It's college yeah. football. They're going into this blind, and they're putting out okay, it's four and a half as the spread for this game. I, and, and I don't get it. So how does that work? I don't get it. While I'm on the beef of football concerns, Missouri will stay local here. Got a quarterback issue, right? Mm-hmm. So why are you playing? You have what four non-conference games, and you put them on the schedule because you think you can beat them, right? You got South Dakota State. You have uh, just South Dakota, just South, South Dakota, yeah. Yeah. Memphis, 
Who are the other ones? No, it's South Dakota, uh, South Dakota, uh, Memphis, Middle, Ten- Middle Tennessee, Me- Middle Tennessee, Memphis, Kansas State, and then and Memphis. Memphis. Yep. So, so you have. I'm going to use four games. Okay. Vanderbilt so, after that, if you want to consider that a game. Well, I'm going to get out of league play for a minute. I won't. I won't disrespect Vanderbilt right. that much. But why are you playing guys for a half? Why don't you give – you have two guys that you want to look at, Brady Cook and Sam Horn, who emerged to be the two top prospects quarterback-wise. We, we've seen Brady Cook. Okay, serviceable player. I know he was playing hurt. Sam Horn apparently has a bigger arm and has a better understanding of the football game. Uh, so why should you give – why don't you give both of them two games? So they can game plan from the start to the finish – so they get enough reps in, so they see what it's like compared to you play a half, I play a half, hooray for us. What happens if you don't get the ball enough in the, in the game? What happens if, you know, you have an injury or whatever? Why don't you play them both two games apiece and then the last game you play against Kansas State? And then that gets you ready for conference play. Kansas State, as you uh, well, as you talked about the preseason rankings, Kansas State is ranked in the preseason at number uh, – oh, where are they? I, I just saw them up here. Uh, well, they're ranked, ranked because 16th. they won a bowl game 16th. last year. Yeah, yeah, they won a bowl game last year. And We're going to start what? our – Yeah. So I, I get that, but I think that would be a more efficient way to determine what you have compared to giving guys half of a game. We are going to do our picks for the first time uh, this week. I'll be sending them out. Uh, are you and Howard uh, meeting this week, doing Huddle Up with We Howard? are doing Huddle Up. We'll do it on Friday this week because um, the Tigers have a Thursday night game. All right, so our games this week, Klaibs, uh, we're doing we're doing confidence picks. So you got to rank the confidence. You get the points off of that. Uh, we are going to have LSU and Florida State on there. We're going to have uh, North Carolina versus South Carolina, and then our third game on the uh, list, we're going to have Colorado and TCU on there. That's going to be interesting because everybody's going to want to pay attention to what Deion Sanders' yep. team looks like. TCU are 20-point favorites going up against uh, Deion Sanders. That's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Um, TCU had a pretty good season last year. They didn't lose a lot of people. I think they lost their quarterback, though. But here's the other thing about this. Um, have we determined what the championship will be and also what what the loser gets? We're all we haven't decided that. I think we're all throwing. I'm going to send out the email today or tomorrow. I think we're all and throwing have in suggestions. 20. Yeah, we're all throwing. No, in but 20. have suggestions on what the winner should get yeah. for a trophy and what the loser should get. Yeah, so we need to have that as well. Yeah, but uh, speaking of tro- WWE, just came out with uh, belts for all uh, 30, uh, 31 of the thirty two NFL teams. You could get a oh, uh, you get a championship belt in that uh, with their logos all over it, starting at five hundred and fifty dollars. Do me a favor, <laughs> don't get me one for Christmas. <laughs> there, the thing is that so many people are going to buy those. Please. By the way, I say thirty-one of the thirty-two. They put out Jacksonville Jaguars, and then they took it off the website because the Jaguars are owned. By the uh, Shad Khan, Khan family, yeah, who owns AEW, yeah. the uh, the uh, competition for WWE. So that is uh, that has been taken off the uh, the websites. Well, I'm sorry, yeah. we'll get over it somehow. Yeah, a few wrestling deaths this past week, uh, Klaibs. I know you probably don't know much about Bray Wyatt, but I'm sure you grew up watching a little bit of Terry Funk. 
Terry Funk, he was uh, the brother of Doy Funk Jr. and the brother, the son of Doy Funk Sr., great wrestling family, mm-hmm. uh, known for the spinning toehold. Yeah, he and, and then I think later Terry on his, used to do the abdominal stretch as well. Yeah, later on <laughs> his career became very hard, uh, became a hardcore kind of crazier, uh, middle aged. I wonder how yeah. that happened. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he yeah, became a was crazier. Uh, Terry, was Terry, I mean, he was he was kicking out at two for a long time. I mean, he, there were a lot of near death, uh, experiences for Terry Funk over his age. Yeah, He uh, was age. the less Dory won the championship. I think five, four or five times. Yeah. He was 79 years old yeah. when he, uh, when yeah, he passed their away. Dad was a really good wrestler as well. Yeah. Uh, great wrestling family. God rest his soul. Yeah. Dory Funk still alive at 82 wow. right now. So Dory, uh, Dory still. That was, fav- that was my favorite move. You get a guy in a spinning toehold. Yeah. We never fail after wrestling at the chase on Sunday. You get a guy out in the backyard and here we mm-hmm. go. <laughs> Claves along with the, uh, along with um, the, uh, Good Nightingale this week. Also, it uh, should be the final well, one of the, the final week before the Ascension Charity Classic this uh, this week. Walking a fairway with Nick Ragone. Had Nick Ragone on the pregame show last night. Things are w- rounding into shape. Uh, all Nick wants is good weather. Everything else will take care of itself. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, coming up later today, it'll be Daily Cards Live uh, right here on Claves Online. Until then, this has been another edition of the Amron Illinois Lunch Show, powered by Graybar, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Until next time, he is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick, right here on ClavesOnline.com. Nobody wants a surprise in their jelly donut. <laughs> That's because the middle is the most important part. At Graybar, we're at the middle of electrical and data comm jobs across the country. Connecting installers, facility managers, and business owners with smart solutions for their most challenging projects, which means stocking and delivering crucial products on time and on budget, with no surprises, thanks to our nationwide logistics network. Yep, Graybar does that. <laughs>